Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Raptor Show. As many of you know, William Liu is still vacationing on the Amalfi Coast.、Uh, I saw someone on Twitter call him the Amalfi Goat last night.、Um, as some of you know, on the podcast feed, he did do a React Pod while on vacation for a preseason game that the Raptors played in Edmonton. Against the Utah Jazz, I, I don't know why he does this. Like, just take your vacation; it's fine. Will like even when I'm in Toronto, I don't work that hard. So、uh, maybe you should, you know, take my lead on that. But shouts to shouts to Will for for continuing on the grind for the love of the game. Everybody should check out the React Pod. And even though he's not promising any more React Pods during the preseason, you know, I I would bet my hard earned money、um, and maybe even my mortgage on on him doing React Pods for every single. Uh, of the games over the next couple of weeks before he returns, but、uh, this week I am trying to hold it down, and as you can tell by my voice, I'm I'm really excited to be here.、Uh, so I am joined today by friend of the program and, and someone who's going to be a, a regular on the Raptors show this season, I think,、uh, from Raptors Republic. He also writes for Complex Canada. Recently, had a great Toronto Star feature on Alec Manoa of the Toronto Blue Jays. Orrin Weisfeld, the only person with a more monotone voice than me in the city of Toronto. Orrin, what's good, man? Damn, that intro was two minutes. What's good, man? I'm trying to bring a upbeat voice to the podcast today because I've been slandered too many times. But yeah, you know, we'll see how today goes, and then we don't want to make any promises about me being a regular. So we'll see how today goes. <laughs> okay, yeah.、Oh, okay, you know? yeah. I I didn't know you were gonna reject that. Well,、idea. I noticed that you put a you put a qualifier on it. You're like, we think he'll be a regular, so we'll see how today goes, and then we'll no, talk, like we'll talk more. You know, I just I just never want to you know speak for other people. You know, I know you're a very busy person. During the season, and I know it's hard, especially when you wake up at noon every day to to really pack a lot of things in during the day. So you know, I, I know you know Raptor Show.、Uh, you know, if you don't know, is back on air October seventeenth, two to three p.m. And you know, I don't know if that that time slot really meshes with your lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I could I could wake up a little earlier to fit you guys in. Oh, okay, yeah, appreciate it. So one of us has to raise our energy level because it's just two monotone voices battling today, and this is <laughs> not good for the pod. So you know, since you're the guest, I'm just asking if you you could step up and and potentially just speak in a completely different voice than you have your entire life. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Asking for a lot here. So、uh, let let's see what else.、Uh, just trying to avoid talking about basketball as I have for the past three months.、Uh, make sure you follow. Our new account on Twitter at、uh, the Raptor Show. Really appreciate everybody's support there. And shouts as always to the subreddit,、uh, the losers.、Um, you know, I, I took a quick glance at the subreddit this morning, and there's just a lot of threads of people trying to create more work for me. You know, there's just threads of like, oh, guess that Alex should get this year.、Uh, segment ideas. I really appreciate it, guys. But、um, as you know, there's an anti-work agenda happening here. So, so please help me out. Um, and just you know, maybe not create so much work for me on, on this side. And just want to shout out to a friend of the program as well,、uh, Lee Ban Osman. You know, it was my 38th birthday this weekend, and, and Lee Ban was kind enough to send me a $50 Uber Eats card, which which I used right away、uh, last night on some、uh, Nando's chicken. So so thank you, Lee Ban. Um, I know you're listening right now in in your yellow Nike hat and probably some、uh, super tight ripped jeans. You know I appreciate the fashion, 
Um, this is the same guy who tries to give me fashion tips. Uh, please stop that, Lee Ben. That's what I want for my birthday. Uh, any shout outs you would like to give uh, Oren up top before we actually talk about the Raptors? Shout out to you, man. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah, that thanks. one went over my head. Yeah, where's my gift um, card? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Lee Ben's Uh-oh. a better friend than me. Oh, okay. Uh, the the subreddit, that's... I didn't know you guys had a subreddit, but I just want to say I've never said, like, the losers moniker is amazing. And and Will should be a lot more accepting of it, I think. He always tries to, like, put it off. Like, mm. I don't know, is that really what we want to call them? Like, if I had a fan base of people called losers, I yeah. think that's, like, the ultimate, the ultimate fan base nickname. Because it's like, yeah, we're not... We're, I think losers is like an endearing term. Like I use it as an endearing term to like my friends, you know, mm. and like and like I'll use it as an endearing term to like people who watch a lot of Raptors, too, just because like we are all losers and nerds. And I think that's a really good nickname that that you guys I think you should just keep going buy in more. Yeah, get some merch, is... get some losers merch going. Well, we, we are in the process of, of, of making merch, um, you know, so everybody, please hang tight on that. But yeah, I don't know about calling my friends uh, losers and nerds. Um, you're on your own there with that one. You know, I've never affectionately called anyone that I care about a loser. So so I'm going to have to push back there. There is a huge debate uh, in the community of, uh, you know, the 250 members in, in, the, in the subreddit because another name that's been pitched is the uh, Will Luminati, um, which, mm-hmm. which I am a big fan of versus the losers. I don't know, man. It just feels a little weird calling people who are so supportive, um, you know, of of the show and so supportive of everything that Will does, the losers. So if you this were is to the vote with your young generation, you're too oh. sensitive, Alex. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, says the guy who confused two people on Media Day. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think Illuminati is a much better sounding name. But but shouts to the subreddit. I know there's been votes about that. I guess it's going to remain the losers for now. I mean, Will is the definitive voice on this. It, right now, it's just two monotone voices uh, fighting for <laughs> on-air time. So this this does not matter at all. So the Raptors uh, on Sunday uh, opened their preseason schedule. They won in Edmonton. Great sold-out crowd. Great energy for, for a preseason game versus, say, a half-full Scotiabank Arena where no one's really interested. Uh, 114 to 82 you know Orin, you were also in victoria bc for training camp which we'll get to in a second since you are our raptor show insider now um but you know watching the game on sunday between utah and, and toronto uh what, what are the things that jumped out at you well yeah the crowd is definitely one of them um it, it's pretty wild to see all the raptors gear same with victoria at the open scrimmage like it was just amazing to see all the gear in downtown Victoria. Not only that day, really, like the whole time they were there, people just repping the gear. And it's like, we're in Victoria, BC. This is not like a huge city by any means. And um, it's just cool to see, yeah, how the Raptors brand has kind of filtered out throughout the whole country. That The atmosphere in Edmonton for a preseason game looked really, really good. Um, so, I mean, that stood out. Other takeaways from the game. I thought, you know the starting group everyone wants to talk about how rico hines runs are like putting the raptors in a different tier uh and and like i'm always a little skeptical about that stuff but i will say with the starters it's not just that they had rico runs this summer it's also that they've been together now for 
a full season and then a full summer and now a full training camp. And I think that is starting to show just the full year plus together. I think the starters looked really good, looked like they were on a string, know where each other are, moving the ball really well. Like they didn't hit their shots and they were a little passive, like just trying to pass a little bit too much. But I was impressed with, I guess, the way that they were just keeping the ball moving, like nobody really held it and they created a lot of really good looks. And you don't usually see that at this point in preseason, right? So yeah, I thought the starters are going to, I think they have the ability to get off to a pretty good start to the season. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of talk about just the importance of continuity. And you mentioned the Rico Hines runs in the summer. You know, for me, I think I put more emphasis into, you know, just like you mentioned, you know, the, the players on this roster are, are way more familiar with each other. And even thinking back to last season, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things, you know, last season was was a growing experience for them. You know, they were 500 team through the first 50 games. You know, I, I love to dive into the numbers. Uh, maybe you as, as a loser and a nerd could pull this stuff up. But I don't even think the five starters uh, that, that played last night – I don't even know how many minutes they played together last season because of the different injuries and the different iterations of the roster. And we know that even during the postseason in the first round against the Sixers, they had to, you know, deal with the Scotty Barnes injury, you know, after game one. And so, you know, it, it is cool. You know, I hope, you know, as we all do at the at the start of these seasons, that this team is fully healthy on opening night and, and can can have an extended run especially the starting five as just a healthy five-man unit because you know you look at the talent on this roster and you look at how the different pieces slot in thinking about you know pascal potentially <laughs> building on last year's all nba season we know that there's very high expectations for scotty you know it's always great to see fred look um you know this healthy and i hope it stays that way because I really think it was such a struggle for him in the second half last year in the playoffs that it really colored how a lot of the fan base uh, look at Fred coming into this season. And like we forget that he was like, what, like a 47% shooter from three in the first half of the year and, you know, playing at an all defensive level. And it, it, it's funny to me, especially with Fred, because like clearly there was a push for him personally and, and you know, within the team too to, to push him to, uh, you know, the all-star game last season. But I almost look at Fred and, and I think that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him playing more off ball and, and a slightly different role for him this season. You know, Nick has promised he's going to play less minutes, which I think is just means it's going to come down from like 37 and a half minutes to like 35. But like, you know, I'm really interested to see, you know, Fred in this like quote unquote new role and what that's going to look like for the team. Yeah, I think we definitely got a glimpse of it last night. I, I was talking to Zarar from Raptors Republic after the game on our YouTube uh, post-game show. And he, yeah, we were saying how he barely had the ball in his hands. And the starters didn't play all that much. But when they did, it was really Pascal and Scotty with the ball. And Fred was off it. He only took two shots in that whole game. Um, so, you know... I also commented this is that like as much as Fred is probably going to play off ball and they're going to make that a point in the last five minutes of the game, I still believe Fred is going to demand the ball, organize the team, slow things down. And there's pros and cons to that. Like the, the big pro is that he doesn't turn it over and he's a really steady force. They call him steady Freddie for a reason. Like he, he does not turn the ball over and he gets guys in positions to succeed. The problem, the con with that, 
with having the ball in Fred's hands at the end of the game is that if you don't get what you want and if your set doesn't work, then it, the ball is in Fred's hands and the shot clock's running down and he's the one taking the shot rather than Pascal or Scotty. Um, so I still think it'll divulge that at the end of the game, but I'm, I, I think the Raptors are smart to play him off ball more for the majority of the game, just simply for the fact that like these other guys need to eat. And if Fred is happy to take a step back and play off ball and let Scotty and OG and, and Gary get more reps with the ball, I think that's the only way that this starting group doesn't like get mad at the end of the year. Like I hate to be that guy who's like overanalyzing the touches and everything, but it it is hard when you look at last night's box score and OG only took two shots. Like, over the course of a season, they have to figure out a way to keep all these guys involved. And I do think Fred off-ball is a really good way to do that. Um, you asked me to pull up numbers, so I did. So they played 700 possessions together, that starting group. And that was the most used group by far for the Raptors um, last season. Above average defense, below average offense. I think the offense is the area. I mean, both they can improve, but I think early season... I think the offense is where they can kind of take advantage of all those reps together. Yeah. And, you know, I think the offensive side is interesting too, because everybody's looking at Scotty to take another leap this season. And, you know, he had a nice little fadeaway jumper, uh, at, you know, in the first quarter yesterday. But then, you know, I also remember that corner three, uh, that that was a complete air ball. And, you know, I think, you know, putting the ball in his hands more and giving him more opportunities He's kind of the guy that I feel like is is just kind of like a freestyle guy, just out here roaming and, and doing different things. I love to see what that's going to look like for him this season. You know, like you said, in that half-court offense when he's in like a more organized role. How high are you setting expectations for, for Scotty this season? Because I, I know everybody is, is really high on him coming into year two. Yeah, I don't want to ruin my bold prediction, but mm. um, I'm... I, my expectations aren't crazy for Scotty, partly just because I think people want him to be a different type of player than he's been in the past. And I think ultimately he's going to be the same guy, which is a pass first player. Like he is a point guard. He likes to move the ball. He likes to find his teammates. I think people are expecting him to all of a sudden like get his own uh, to an extent we haven't seen before. And sure, there could be a little more of that than we saw last season. But in general, I think he's going to just be a little bit more of an efficient version of what he was last season. If if he can knock down threes, that really helps the rest of the team more even than him. So if he can add that that spot up three point shot and then continue just doing what he did, like people talked about the fadeaway, people talked about the bully ball basket he had last night. He did all that last season. Like that was not a change from what we've seen last season. I think really the areas for Scotty to grow are keep it simple, like defense. Like last last season, there were a lot of games where Scotty was just not good on defense. And so I know we like to talk about the flashy stuff, like, oh, I want to see him tween tween hezzy into a pull up midi, you know? And it's like, no, like let's just let's have him play some solid defense on on, you know, on ball, off ball. Let's have him run in transition and, and make good decisions there. And like, I think if he does all those kind of more basic things, well, he's just going to take a natural step there. I don't expect him to be a different player than the one we like, a, like the, than the one we saw last year. How about you? 
Yeah, I think he has such a broad skill set too that, you know, this being another development year for him, I think you just want to find out what he can do. Like, like what are his true strengths, right? Like we've talked so much about already, like the position that he's going to play. You know, everybody seems to want to push that kind of point guard moniker on him. And I think it's justifiably so when you look at the playmaking and just the court vision that he has. But then other times, like you mentioned, like you see him and, you know, his size and his strength and what he's able to do uh, in the low posts and uh, against much smaller players guarding him. And you're like, wow, like this is a great, you know, offensive option to have. So so I think it's just a variety of things. And, I, and I'm completely with you. I think as much as we focus on like Scotty's offensive development, which I think really, you know, has opened up the expectations based on what people saw coming in from his uh, college career and what he was able to do last year. I, I do want to see that consistency on the defensive end. And, you know, the good thing about any Nick Nurse team is that, you know, if you don't play defense, like, you know, you're not going to play. So, you know, I, I think, again, that's the benefit of being with this franchise and, and with this coaching staff as well, is that they they do demand a lot from this team. And, and, and success is going to come from the defensive end as well. Like, like, you know, if the Raptors can be a top five to ten defensive team, I think they're really going to win a lot of games this season. Now, speaking of, you know, we were talking about Fred's new role and potentially reducing his, uh, you know, minutes by two minutes per game. Uh, you know, hopefully those two minutes might might go to, you know, a combination of Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn. You know, I, I know even at training camp, there's been a lot of positive talk, you know, from Nick Nurse and the coaching staff about these two players and, you know, all the reps that they got in the summer playing internationally, you know, playing at ball, ball don't stop runs and like pro-ams and things like that. Um, you know, even the glimpses of Delano and, and Malachi last night, you know, like I don't I don't want to get too excited, but, you know, I, I really think like Malachi to me is such an X factor. Like if it, if he is able to be a bench contributor, I think that's going to be such a huge swing piece for the Raptors this season. No, I completely agree. And I think if he's not, then they probably got to shift their trade deadline plans and get a backup point guard because I just don't think there's enough ball handling on this team if Delano and Malachi aren't playing to really have success in the playoffs. So I agree with you. Like Those two are are big swing factors, and I, I think Malachi is a little bit ahead in the pecking order just in terms of his polish. Like he, I, I really like Delano long-term, but he's a little bit more raw of a player at this stage in their careers, and I think Malachi... He seems like he's ready. Like this is the season, if not now, then never to step into that backup point guard role and give them 10 good minutes off the bench. Um, not only because like this is his final season and, and he's going to be a free agent after this season, I think, um, but also just because like it takes point guards a long time sometimes to adjust to the NBA game and to find their role. And we've definitely seen it take Malachi time, but that doesn't mean we should give up, I don't think, even though a lot of Raptors fans have. Uh, sometimes like this development stuff just isn't linear, and sometimes it takes, especially point guards, a few years to figure it out. And yeah, I don't want to react to last night's game either, but I thought they both looked better than the last time we saw them, more polished than the last time we saw them. And for Malachi, it's mostly just about making shots. Like, I was having this conversation in Victoria. It's like he has every single like it looks great. The process always looks great. He creates his his room. He creates a good shot. It just always like rims out. It, it feels like it always just doesn't go in, even though it should. It looks good coming off his hands, all of that. 
Um, so ultimately, I think he needs to be a shot maker. He did that last night. And I think he needs to be disruptive at the defensive end. And I thought last night, the one thing, like this is the one insider Victoria thing that I'll give you because I, I try not to do this stuff. But like he, he looks stronger, Malachi, mm-hmm. uh, seeing him up close. And I think that showed last night when he was navigating over screens and he was just sticking to guys and, and really being disruptive on the defensive end. And I think that's a strength thing. And I thought he looked good last night. And yeah, I mean, it was also interesting that he came in the game with Christian Coloco, uh, just kind of giving him a pick and roll partner, which I think fans have been asking for for a long time. But at the same time, I don't think Christian is going to play a lot this season. I think Malika has to find other ways to impact the game other than the pick and roll because they're not going to adjust their whole system to fit his needs. And I think he has all the tools to do that. Yeah, and the reason why I think Malachi is so important, and I think you could, you know, sub in Delano here in this conversation too, if you wanted to long term, is that the reason why Fred's playing all these minutes is like Nick just simply does not have another point guard or another ball handler that he that he trusts, you know, in the in the same way that he does with Fred. And, you know, he doesn't have another two-way player that he can trust. So like how many minutes you know, are you actually going to play without Fred on the floor, especially for a team that's trying to win a lot of games this season? And that's why I think it's so important. You know, you know, I think people have obviously zoomed in on, on just the relationship between Nick and Malachi. But at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, Malachi, like you mentioned, he just hasn't produced. And I think the frustrating thing with him is, you know, like like you said, like he just looks like a very polished player, like like he looks like a guy who should be able to come in and handle those backup point guard minutes. And then, you know, on occasion can probably give them a great scoring burst uh, coming off the bench. And we just haven't seen enough of that except for, you know, the odd game over the last couple of seasons. So, you know, I think it's just that if Nick can find a trust in these guys and specifically Malachi in this case, I just think the trickle down effect is going to be so good. Cause like if you're actually able to give Fred more than just like two, three minutes on the bench to rest and like Malachi can actually handle say a six minute spurt, you know, in, in the second quarter or in the third quarter, and you're able to bring Fred back, you know, like you mentioned in crunch time when he's going to be on the floor, you know, I think that's just going to make such a huge difference. And I'm glad you mentioned Christian Coloco, you know, uh, as everybody knows, you know, summers is when I stop, uh, you know, watching any basketball. So this is the first time that I've, I've seen Christian Coloco on the court and again, it's preseason. You know, I know they're playing against Kelly Olynyk and the Utah Jazz and all of those caveats. But man, like he just looks way more developed for uh, you know a, a, a rookie player than than I expected. Like like I'm not expecting him to be part of the rotation this year. You know, I think he's going to do a lot of great things with the 905. But you know, I, I think really promising early returns for me when I look at Christian Coloco. He just looks way more polished than than maybe just what I expected from a, like a rookie. Yeah, I'm in the same camp. I I think Nick, after the game yesterday, said he fits in the group of guys who don't make a lot of mistakes. And you don't often hear that for a rookie center. So I'm impressed also with Coloco. It seems like from everything I've heard in camp, like he sticks to his role and he doesn't try to, he's not precious. (laughs) Like he doesn't try to get in his bag and and do all these things. He, He rolls to the rim, he catches lobs, he finishes them, he blocks shots and he doesn't try to do anything else, and I think the Raptors like that about him. Um, at the same time, I don't think he's ready to play against starting caliber NBA centers. I just think he's not strong enough. 
um, to, to rebound. I don't think he's strong enough to box out. I don't think he's strong enough to defend in the post, but that'll, that'll come. I expect him to start the year in the nine Oh five and maybe work his way up to the Raptors midway through the season. If everything goes right. Um, but I like what I saw from him and he gives them a different dimension. And we even saw that pick and roll with Siakam and, and Coloco last night, which I think that's a, that's, we're going to get to Siakam, but that's a really good way to get Siakam in the best position for him to succeed is having a guy like Coloco to run pick and roll with. And, you know, he's not quite developed enough to play in the rotation yet, but you could definitely see it by the end of the season or by next season, just he makes life easier for guys like Siakam and Fred. And I think that's why they drafted him. Yeah. And I think like now that we've seen, you know, Nick Nurse coach this team for a couple of years, like you can see now the type of role player slash bench player that that he gravitates towards. And, and you know, hearing what you just said, you know, he, he talked about Coloco just really fitting in with the team and doing the right things. You know, you know, to me, I think if Nick in his perfect world, like I think he would love to have just like five Justin Champagne's on his roster. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think Justin Champagne is like the exact, you know, type of player that that, you know, Nick is is okay with giving minutes towards because he doesn't take a lot of stuff off the table and doesn't do too much like out of his range and his capabilities when he's on the floor. Now Champagne was uh, didn't play last night. You know, he had right hip soreness. Otto Porter as well has a hamstring issue, and, and he was out as well. You know, we did get to see some of the end of bench guys. You know, I think it's assumed that, you know, Juancho Hernan Gomez and Delano is, is going to get two of the end of the roster spots. So the final spot, correct me if I'm wrong, I think is coming down to uh, Justin Champagne, uh, DJ Wilson, who I believe is on his uh, ninth stint with the Toronto Raptors uh, in the last 12 months, and Josh Jackson who, you know, played, uh, you know, some some heavy minutes there in, in the fourth quarter uh, yesterday. You know, I saw some people being excited about Josh Jackson. I just, you know, I've seen Josh Jackson play <laughs> at, at different places. La- and last I- night in the postgame show, some guy was like getting so mad at me. He was like, he's the fourth overall pick in the draft. They got to give him a chance. Because I was like, I think Justin Chippenny is still pretty good, you know? Yeah, and and like I think Josh Jackson just just has a track record in this league, and it hasn't been great. And you know, even though he is a former lottery pick, former fourth overall pick, like I'm not getting that excited about Josh Jackson. I think when it comes to end of the bench spots, you know, you need guys who are going to come in. And like you mentioned, like I just don't want just you know, I, I need to know what I'm getting from these guys. And, and I think Champagne is a classic. Like I know what I'm going to get from this guy. And it is unfortunate that he's dealing with the injury now. And, you know, I was pretty bummed out last year, you know, when, when obviously they made the roster moves and he wasn't, you know, on the Raptors roster, um, you know, towards the end of the regular season in the playoffs, because I really see Champagne as, you know, whether, you know, I don't think he's going to play every game, but I do see him having a role on this team and I really want to see what it looks like uh going forward so like off one game are are we still sticking with Justin Champagne for that final spot yeah I think I would um he he was injured last night but it's worth noting that he has been healthy enough to practice with the team when they were in Victoria he was participating in all that he participated in the open practice a couple nights ago in Victoria and he looked pretty good there um the injury obviously sucks but it's not like they haven't seen him this past week and yeah like you said they just have so much more info on champagne than they do with the josh jackson and 
the Raptors really value guys who have shown growth in their system. And if you look at Champagny's like splits when it comes to like three point shooting with the Raptors, and then when he went to the 905, he shot the ball extremely well. I think it was like almost 40% on, on like five attempts per game with the 905 last season. And that's what they look for in their guys who they're developing is just do these guys grow over the course of a season with us. So I think Champagny is definitely should still be the favorite, even though I, I admit Josh Jackson looked good last night. Like I'll give you some thoughts on these end of bench guys, even though none of it matters. I think Josh Jackson and DJ Wilson both fit in the same camp for me as guys who have defensive pop and are really interesting players, but maybe they don't like fit on this Raptors team because so many other players do what they do better. I think those guys could find roles on NBA teams. I just think what they do is a little bit like obscured by what a lot of Raptors do in the case of Jackson and Champagny. Um, Under the radar guy is Gabe Brown. I don't think he'll make the team, but I really like his shooting. And that's kind of what I would prioritize at the end of the roster is like a guy who's just a knockout three point shooter because the Raptors obviously don't have a lot of that. He's, He's a good movement shooter. And I like what I've seen from Gabe Brown. Um, but yeah, he, he definitely looks like he's on the outside looking in. Yeah, you know, my new contract with Sportsnet, you know, circulates. I don't need to talk about Gabe Brown or, or Jeff Downton, but, you know, I appreciate you, you know, give it, giving him a shout out. I think too, like, when it comes to that final spot, you have to think about what you want to use that spot for. And, and I think there's just so much more value, like you mentioned, uh, using that spot to, to develop Justin Champagny. Like you, you could argue that, you know, in, in a in a single game or, you know, to start the regular season, Josh Jackson, arguably, even DJ Wilson could be a much better contributor right away. But I think that spot should just go to a player that you see is, is going to continue to develop and be part of this team moving forward. And I think the upside for Champagne is just so high. And, and, you know, I do hope and I think this will be the case. Like, I don't think like you mentioned, the injury isn't doesn't seem very serious. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think this is something that's actually going to hamper his chances of making the team or, or swinging that. Um, but, yeah, no, I just um, people got to chill out on the Josh Jackson hype. And I actually have a funny Josh Jackson story. And, you know, this is a lesson for you, Orin, and everyone out there to, to just never believe um, what athletes tell you. You know, I was doing a story a few years ago when Josh Jackson was on the Phoenix Suns basically talking to like younger players and vets about how they build relationships with uh, referees in the NBA and how that's changed like over the years as they've gotten more mature. And when I was talking to Josh Jackson, I believe this was maybe his, his like second or third year in the league. And he was like, yeah, man, like when I first in my first season, I got so many foul calls and like technicals because I was just such a hothead. I didn't think about building any relationships with the refs. And now I know them all on a first name basis and they all love me. So I talked to him about this pregame, and then he goes out and uh, gets ejected and tossed for screaming at every single ref on the floor that that night uh, in Toronto. So uh, just never believe what what uh, anybody tells you. Um, but but shouts to Josh Jackson. Uh, is there anything else from this uh, riveting game between the Toronto Raptors and the Utah Jazz that you want to talk about? Aside from the fact that the Jazz look like one of those teams where you load up like NBA 2K and you reshuffle the entire league's roster and somehow there's just like 10 random players on every team. Uh, that That is the Utah Jazz. And I think Mike Conley should be able to just negotiate his own trade out of Utah before opening night. Yeah, I feel bad for the veterans on that team. 
Um, I guess you just, as a Raptors fan, you just kind of count your blessings when you watch a team like that. Uh, who's willing to just go in the tank that hard and play guys who you've never heard of, you know, five through 15 on their roster. It was, it was really hard to take anything away from that game. Once the starters left the floor for the jazz, cause their bench is literally like second division NCAA players. So yeah, I think, I think we can move on. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was hoping for some jazz talk. You know, it's just ridiculous to me that Danny Ainge for like his, what, what, 20 years as a GM has got to spend like 13 of those years just hoarding draft picks and with no expectations of winning. Um, I just have a very anti-tanking agenda. Uh, hey, I think, me too, man. No, I think a lot of these general managers just get the job security that a lot of other GMs can't afford. Like how many years has Masai and Bobby been under the weight of pressure to win here in Toronto? every single year practically and then you look at guys like sam Presti and, and danny ainge and and even you know i mean did daryl no daryl daryl didn't really tank daryl tries to win all the time but it's like you know these these guys just just get to have like seven year plans um to to just continue rebuilding and, and hoarding these draft picks which which i find to be to be interesting um shouts to yeah, the re- yeah go ahead i don't I'll, i don't like it because they don't they don't think about the fans like the fans mm. in Utah are just in for like a three years of terrible basketball right. and they, they just don't really care about them. And I think the thing about Bobby and Masai is yes, they've been under pressure to win, but they've also proven that there are other ways to rebuild. Um, and just look what they did with one year of tanking. They get Scotty trade pass trade, uh, Kyle for precious. And then bam, you have like a new young team. You can do it in a year if you're smart. And I, I think these guys who are so obsessed with the draft, it's like the draft is a crapshoot. It always has been. And so, yes, you're increasing your chances of getting a superstar, but there are other ways to rebuild a really good team. Even the Kyle Lowry trade, like if you have good scouting and good just, yeah, basketball people who who know what they're talking about, I think there's other ways to retool and create, you know, build a different team rather than going into the tank. Yeah, but I do think the Raptors are kind of on the other extreme too. Or if anything, they're kind of an outlier in in what they've they've been able to do, right? Like kind of the multiple paths of contending while building up the roster. Like I, I really struggle to think of another team that that's done it so well. Like you know, obviously the first time they did this, you know, they ended up in a championship. And now we're seeing more of the same, right? Like we can talk about this Raptors team with the established guys like Fred and Pascal, OG, Gary. And then we can also talk about the development of guys like Scotty, like Precious. And I think it's honestly remarkable. And this is once again just me saying that it's a shame that Masai and Bobby have never won, uh, you know, exec of the year. You know, this is the most egregious thing in sports next to Barry Bonds not being in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And, And, you know, I think... At some point, you know, Adam Silver is gonna have to, gonna have to rectify that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, and it is tough to do for sure. But I just think we should have high expectations for guys who are making ten million dollars a year to lead a team. Like mm-hmm. these are the best in the business. I I think that yes, Bobby and Masai are really good at their job and have been lucky and smart to build on the fly while competing. Um, but I, I just think it's possible and I think we should have high expectations that teams don't need to tank for five years in order to do it. Uh, yeah, so that's no. all. No, I, I'm completely with you. And I continue to push the agenda that, 
you know, teams teams can, you know, do their tanking and get in the draft lottery. But I think in order to just create some excitement, like you mentioned, for the fans, like I've been pushing the idea that at the end of the year, you know, I know the NBA announced that there's going to be some kind of midseason tournament coming up in the upcoming years. They should have an mm-hmm. end of season tournament for all the teams in the lottery where you actually have to win your lottery spot. So like mm-hmm. you can tank the whole year, but like when Utah finishes with like 15 wins, they're going to go into a tournament with like the other 12 or whatever teams that are in the lottery and they're just going to have to play tournament style and the winner gets the number one overall pick. So like you actually have like to have that. a roster that's good enough to win that tournament and you can't just throw yourself, you know, throw all these games and and just like leave your luck up 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 to the lottery balls, but anyways, that's enough tanking talk, man. I'm not trying to tank talk. Not, not tr- tank talk. That's the only energy you're gonna get from me. I'm tired now. Um, so um, you know, Orn, like I like I mentioned, you you flew to Victoria, BC. You know, after media day. You know, after you confused two people at media day, um, and you know, you, you that stayed. wasn't me. I think well, that was someone else. Oh, okay, okay. Um, you know, and you know, you you stayed. You know, you stayed with a with a friend there. Um, you know, I hope the experience was great. Um, and and you got to attend training camp at, at Victoria BC. Now I have some specific questions that I want to ask you about in terms of training camp storylines and, and we can go through them and, and kind of rank and evaluate whether any of these storylines are actually worth talking about. But first of all, how was your training camp experience overall? Yeah, it was really good. Uh, shout out to Aiden Moss over at Raptors Republic. Uh, my wrap-up partner, we do a show together, and I stayed with him in Victoria at his very nice house, and the experience was great. I really liked the city, really good weather, came back to Toronto to some cold weather, wasn't happy about it, but it was busy. Like I always would talk to like guys who go on the road and be like, how do you like this city? How do you like this city? And they'll always be like, oh, you know, it's hard to see the cities. You know, we're just in the hotel. Then, And I was like, oh, but if I were on the road, I would surely see the city, you know? And it was tough to... I was also, like, writing about these games in Australia with the Women's World Cup, which were on at, like, 10 at night. So it was a grind, but I'll also say that I got I got a good day and a half to really explore the city. Got a little burnt, which, which was the plan, because... I know I'm not getting any tans for a little while. Ate some fish and chips, which was a very BC thing to do, and had a good time. Uh, it was nice to put some names to faces, like in the Raptors organization and the media, just because like, I figure I'm going to be spending the next eight months with these people uh, for the most part, like going to Raptors games and practices. And I wanted to be able to like have somewhat of a relationship with the people that I'm going to work with. Unlike last season, which was just like really weird stepping into it and kind of having these awkward, uh, intense vibes at times. So I think that's, that's just, that's just the kind of vibes that you bring in general. So I think you should just self-evaluate Orin. Yeah. No. And also with the Raptors players, like I think it was just good to get some FaceTime with them and it's a way more loose unstructured environment than when you go to practices and games in Toronto because there's just so many more people there uh so it was it was nice um I guess like my takeaway was that all summer you talk about changes like how Scotty Barnes gonna come back what's he gonna look like oh are they gonna trade for KD you know and then you get to Victoria and it's like oh no this is uh all the same like 
This is a team with the least roster turnover in the entire league. The players are all fundamentally the same players that they were last season, although with slight developments. The vibes are still good, but very similar. And I just think like it was kind of sobering to just be like, oh, yeah, like this is a very similar team than the one we saw last year. And all that offseason talk was maybe a little exaggerated. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, especially when you when you get up close with them and spend that time with them. And, you know, I've said this, you know, I think we're all excited to be back talking about the Raptors and, and, and covering the team. And as you can tell, you know, by by just, you know, uh, our voices like like, you know, we're over the moon um, to, to be doing this podcast. And you know, but but on the other hand, like this is a pretty boring preseason and lead up to opening night. Like, like I think all the exciting stuff is going to come when they actually start playing the real games and especially the season because the storylines are, you know, just, you know, they, they have just flipped over um, in, in, into this season. And I think that's probably why there's so, you know, so much focus on like the end of the roster spots and so much focus on guys like Delano and Malachi and even like Christian Coloco and, and how they look in preseason because there's not a single conversation about like the top seven eight of this roster like it's pretty set and we're pretty familiar with who these players are and we're expecting a lot of internal development but otherwise like that's about it that's about it like i think people might want to talk about whether gary should start versus precious but again like that's just something that i need to see in the regular season you know i Mm -hmm. I, you know i wouldn't be surprised if nick nurse does tinker depending on the matchups but you know uh, you know there's just a lot of hypotheticals that you can float around during this time of year what um you know you mentioned making new friends um which you know i'm surprised you're able to do given your you know contentious personality um but um what um you know just just give us an insider report man like who like who's your new best friend in the raptors organization and then who from the media group have you had did you get a chance to know in victoria that you might not have before um I mean, in the Raptors organization, had a good chat with your friend, Josh Sue. Really nice guy. Show us to Josh, man. Send me 18 basketball emojis if you're listening to this, Josh. And please hit me up trying to book some, uh, you know, Raptors guests uh, for for when we're back on air first week, please. Um, But but yes, so you had a good chance. uh, You had a chance to chat with Josh, who's a a great dude. Great dude alert. Great guy. Um, I talked to Christian Coloco for a a story I'm going to write for Complex Canada. Awesome. Really mature kid. Um, who was like surprisingly knowledgeable about like the history and just kind of talking to him about Pascal and Masai and what those guys meant to the game in, in Africa. And he was really knowledgeable about like the history and, and the growth and, and stuff like that. Um, so I really liked that conversation. I talked to John Wiggins, who runs basically the Raptors off court initiatives. Don't know the exact title. Um, and then, and then I met a group of ladies who also do a similar thing to John Wiggins, who basically help the Raptors with like all their off court initiatives and, you know, whether it's like helping their foundations, uh, whether it's like setting up the scholarships, whether it's, you know, hosting events, they're just kind of there to help make things easier for them. So those were the people, you know, I didn't have any one-on-ones with Bobby or Masai, unfortunately. Those guys intimidate me, so I'm not just going up to them. They <laughs> are you, were around, are,
whenever yeah. he's there like whenever like even on media day when he was at the giants of africa breakfast you know you know he he, he gave me a dap but you know i'm pretty sure he oh, doesn't nice. know my first name or last name um you know but yeah but, he you said know, nice to meet you to me and i met him before yeah you know so. this is um but this is how you treat people as well so you know i'm not surprised you're making me sound way less friendly than i am <laughs> like, yeah sorry i'm uh, a friendly guy uh, yeah. you know we're into character building on this show and i've decided you're Just lying you're going to be, yeah some call it character building some call it lying um everyone on this show needs a persona and this is your persona you know um you know this is this is the grown grow right here man but like yeah you know there's always like this invisible force field around Masai where i feel like if, if you come within like you know five feet of them uh you know the raptor security man is it's just gonna grab you and then actually toss you out of the gym Whereas Bobby, I feel like is a little bit more approachable. Like it's not, you know, I don't think he's someone that I just walk up to. I mean, I guess I did the, do that at Global Jam at the height of the Kevin Durant trade rumors and asked to see his phone. And, and you know, he quickly ended that conversation. But Bobby's know, pretty tall. Bobby's pretty tall. You know, I'm glad you made that observation. That's why you cover, uh, you know, basketball. Um, but but yeah, I think Bobby is a more approachable dude. What about media, man? You know, I love my media yeah. talk. Did you make any new media friends? What's going on? No, I did. I I, I made some friends in the uh, the old traditional media sector. That's mm. really all it was, and me and Aiden. Um, but yeah, one night we had a few soda pops together, and nice. I learned a lot about the industry. Like, I learned that Grange is second ever. Michael Grange of Sportsnet, second ever published article was in the New York Times. Oh, and he nice. was just like telling me how, you know, we were talking about how much the industry's changed. And like back then, you would just like fax your story to the Times. And if they liked it, they would publish it. And like, I mean, obviously it was a good story, but I was just shocked to learn that because, you know, for me, it's like such a slow study progression up the chain of publications and to learn. Yeah, that you could just have your stuff published in the New York Times second ever published piece. That was pretty wild to learn. Um, we're also talking about, I mean, a lot of things I don't know if the fans or the listeners would find interesting. Um, but we were talking about like the media and fandom, you know, like what what Will and you have, have bought into. Just like obscuring the line between fandom and media and obviously a lot of the the older heads don't like that. But I was saying like I was trying to you know, I'm on your guys' side because it's also the way I am. Like, I'm a fan of this team. I also, I think, report about them pretty objectively, but I am a fan and, and I don't hide that. And I was just saying, like, in most countries outside of North America, reporters are fans of the team and you will see them celebrate with their teams when they win things. Like, if, in, in the in the FIBA World Cup, if, like, Spain wins, you will see the Spanish reporters, like, just popping champagne. And it's just not like that here. And it, it, I just, like, wanted to point out how arbitrary that is, you know? Like, I'm not yeah. allowed to pump my fist at games. I get it, and I won't. Mm -hmm. But that is a pretty arbitrary rule that we've made up here. And I, I think as long as your reporting is objective, you should be able to do those things. Yeah, you know, I think... I think well when we're back on air, you know, our our um, our our bosses always tell us uh, avoid the avoid the media talk because uh, because people want to hear about the Raptors, which I totally understand. But since we're still technically in the off season, you know, and I love chatting about the media, you know, I think this is a very interesting conversation because for me, it's about checking that fandom at the door when it's necessary to do your job properly, right? Mm -hmm. And to me. 
it can't be just black and white of like, you know, this is the way to do it. And because this is the way that we've always done it, we should just do it that way. Um, you know, mm -hmm. there's just so many examples, just like in real life, like even outside of sports of when you kind of take that approach, you know, it's just wrong. Like, it's just wrong. Like, like, just because things have always been done that way doesn't mean it's right. And, you know, for, for me, when I look at, you know, I think I think Will especially has been obviously positioned as as like a Raptors fan um, who who is covering the team. And, you know, he, he does an excellent job at it. Um, but, you know, it, it's there's a difference between like if Will was just you know, pro Raptors all the time and not speaking the truth and not willing to criticize the team because, you know, the fandom has just colored everything that, you know, he he looks at. But, you know, I've always said like Will, Will can be very critical of the team at times and he will be very critical of the team, uh, you know, when they deserve it. At the same time, he'll celebrate the team when they deserve it. And to me, like that's like a high level way of like approaching this because, you know, I think people want to listen to people who like actually care about the team as well. Right. You know, I think the least interesting thing to me when it comes to people in sports media is people that just like totally don't care. And I think it reflects in like the quality of the work that they do. And I think it's reflective, you know, you can just tell when someone just doesn't care. Right. Like there's a difference mm -hmm. between this as a job and this is something that, you know, you know, that, people are actually passionate about and this is why i never you know this is why i've never always been honest too like you know there's some months that i care about basketball and some months that i don't man you guys don't understand how hard it is for me to pretend to care about an 82 game regular season schedule but you know you got to pay the bills somehow but you know i think that's why you know and, and to me like i always look at it too i'm like why is that considered a negative um that that you know you you have a rooting interest for the team and you care about the team you know, you know, like I actually see that as, as a plus. And I also don't see anything wrong with the traditional way of approaching it. Um, but I think you're delivering a different type of content to, to the fan base. And I look at some of the some of the most prominent sports figures in this industry, like Stephen A. Smith is a well-known Knicks fan. You know, Mina Kimes, one of mm. my favorite is like a mm -hmm. Seattle Seahawks fan. So it's mm. not like there's just this new generation of like, bloggers and and like you know internet people that are just rising up and feeling this way this has always been the case and i think we're just seeing a shift now of people leaning into it so you know i don't have a problem with people i think having a difference of opinion of how like you know reporting and, and covering the team should be approached but you know i i just think it's lazy you know when when a lot of people will kind of point to that type of coverage from like a quote-unquote fan and just saying that that isn't the right way to do it because you're not critically thinking about how the team is actually covered um so so thanks for coming to um you know my my journalism 101 class um yeah you know, I yeah, yeah i really appreciate it um so training camp you you made a lot of new friends um, it, it appears you name dropped about seven people in the Raptors organization. Like I get it, you know, I was just looking for one name. I wasn't looking for the whole org chart, but I get it. You know, you, you did a lot of socializing there. So now I have a bunch of I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm also exhausted just, just from talking to you. Um, so, you know, to wrap up, I thought we could go through some of these training camp storylines. You know, I've pulled some, you know, quotes, uh, from different conversations that's taken place over the first week of training camp and you know we're, we're gonna introduce the uh, uh you know oran interest meter um you know for one episode only here um this is an exclusive segment so i'm gonna give you these different storylines and we can talk about it what's up you're gonna ask me something 
Yeah, I just want to let listeners in to the fact that Alex <laughs> sent me this this breakdown, and this is the title of this section. Are any of these training camp storylines worth talking about? I thought he was asking me, which of these do you want to talk about? Because that's how he framed it. So I come back with like, yeah, I'll talk about this, talk about this, not this. And then he's like, no, 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 I want to talk about all of them. So... Yeah, I'm excited to talk about all of these storylines. As you know, these are very exciting to me. No, but that's the whole point of the exercise. Like, I'm trying. No, you to didn't f- make that clear, Alex. Okay, okay. I, I wasn't looking for an on-air job review from you. Okay, buddy. <laughs> um, okay. But like, uh, the Orin interest meter is: we're gonna go through these storylines. I'm gonna tell you about them, and you're gonna tell me on a scale of one to ten if you personally believe these storylines are worth talking about so one is not worth talking about at all please don't ever mention it again and 10 is something that you are definitely interested in and think it's something that we should pay attention moving forward um so let's start with scotty barnes talking a little bit about his shot and the mechanics behind his shot you know he said quote of course we all want to shoot like steph curry he makes a lot of shots but everybody can't be steph i'm just trying to get my catch and shoots down a couple off the dribble just sticking to the basics scotty barnes and his shooting coming into year two uh where does that rank on the orn interest meter pretty high i'll give it like a an eight um he also at the end of this quote someone said oh so more like um more like clay thompson and then he said huh more like og he said shoot like og so that was that was a good quote um i think high only just because i'm gonna pull a will lou here but like we all watch warm-ups you know and i watched a lot of <laughs> oh god i watched a lot of scotty shooting <laughs> my least favorite part of will lou's bag but go on yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try to be quick. Um, I can only go off of warm-ups, really, because we haven't seen enough in the games yet. But the shot looks really good in warm-ups. And, and I, I understand why fans will take that with a grain of salt. But, like, if you watch him shoot from college and then at the beginning of the Raptors season, last season, and then the end, and now it, there's a progression there that I think is meaningful. Of course, in games, it's faster and it's more intensity, and there's a mental aspect, and so it doesn't always carry into games, even if you hit all your shots in warm-ups. But look, I think I think Scotty's shot is looking better from what I've seen, and I think what we did see in the open scrimmage and then last night is when he gets the ball from the three-point line and he's open, he's going to shoot. And that was something that Nick had to really be on him about at the start of last season, and the starting group only really works offensively if every guy is willing to take the open threes and then eventually demand closeouts and attack the closeouts and then keep the ball humming from there. And so as long as Scotty is confident in taking those threes, that's like a big step right there. And, you know, I do think that he can knock down a higher percentage than he did last season. I just think that he's clearly a worker. The shot is clearly looking more consistent. And so I think it is something to worth talking about and monitoring. All right. Next up, how about all of this talk about Pascal himself saying he wants to be a top five player and, and making the jump this season? Uh, where does that rank on your interest meter? Uh, I'll give it like a five. Okay. Um, these things are objective and they, they don't really ever turn out until the end of the season. So it's more of a talking point for a few months from now. 
Um, I don't really see a path to him becoming a top five player this season, but he can become top 10. And I think it really matters what like what he does in the playoffs. Um, everyone's focusing on his three ball. I don't really want to like change the type of player he is. I think Demar is actually a good example of a guy who nobody would have considered top five until last season, where for most of the season he was in that MVP mix. Um, and he didn't do it by shooting threes. He just got better at what he was already good at. And that's mid-range shooting. And a big thing for Pascal is the free throws. You know, 5.6 a game last season. Just like, let's not try to change who he is. The type of player he is is a guy who likes to get in the paint and wreck havoc in there. And I think he could push that up to like eight free throws a game if he just keeps doing what he does at a higher level. Yeah, I'm with you, man. You know, I think it's great for someone like Pascal to set those goals for himself. But, I mean, top five. You're talking about pushing into the conversation with guys like Steph, like Giannis, like you know, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, you know, I think that's a very high bar. And like Pascal is already a really good player, you know, like he earned that all NBA spot and really did it with like just half of an incredible season because of the injuries and him coming back from that in the first half of last year. And, you know, like you mentioned, and I think a lot of people have talked about it. All I want to see is Pascal to continue improving on the fringes. And I think Pascal is going to continue being a better player as the team gets better as well, you know, as the talent around him gets better. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, what's up? That's something I wanted to bring up, sorry, was just that him being a top five player is largely contingent on A, them winning games, and B, the team being built around him a lot better than it has been in the past. Because say what you will about like Embiid, I, I mean, maybe this isn't true for all these top five players, but in order for him to push into that top 10, I think the team has to be really well built around him. And that means the spacing has to get better and I, I still don't think we know what type of team is the best way to build around Pascal. That's what these past couple of years have been for. Like, does he need a big like Coloco to run pick and roll with? Are all these good interior passers going to really benefit his style of play? Like adding Scotty Barnes to the fold, or should they just be prioritizing three and D players? Like these are things that are still question marks. And I think until they've built like the ideal team around Pascal, I don't think he could push into that conversation until then. Yeah, and, and and if he never pushes into the conversation, and this is just the player that he is with the fringe improvements, like you talked about, you know, with the free throws and maybe even the three-point shooting and obviously what he brings on the defensive end, I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, and I think that's the thing, too, about setting expectations for these players. Like, when you get to this certain level, when you're talking about a top 15, top 20 player, sometimes you do hit that ceiling of, like, how much a player can, can get better at. Um, and that's why I think, like like we were talking about, just that kind of perception of once he has a better team around him, I think the perception of Pascal is going to change. Because I think clearly the perception of Pascal from, you know, people who watch the Raptors closely versus, um, you know, however you want to call it, just like casual fans who, who you know, might tune into the Raptors like once or twice a year. There's a huge disconnect there, right? Like people just don't view Pascal in the same way. And I think the better comp for him might be someone like a Jason Tatum, um, not in terms of like their game, but I think just in terms of the impact that they're able to bring, right? Like, you know, I think Jason Tatum had his ups and downs like during his, you know, great playoff run last year, even in the finals. And, you know, for, for me, like if Pascal can get to that level where he's leading 
you know, a top four team in the East that's contending and, you know, he's the number one option and then he's having those playoff moments. Um, you know, I, I think I'd be perfectly happy with that. And it's funny to me talking about the disconnect, like there was so much praise I was showered upon, you know, Jason Tatum last year. I think people were in such a rush to, to move them into that top five, top 10 conversation. Um, you know, a lot of times I feel like some players are afforded that room to make mistakes and fail and some aren't. And Pascal belongs in the category where I feel like he's never allowed to have a bad game or, or, or make a mistake. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, he's, he's obviously moved past that and he's such a good player that, that some of that stuff doesn't matter. I've seen some of the MVP talk too as well. Listen, man, the only way Pascal's even going to be in the MVP conversation is if the Raptors are like the number one seed in the East. Like it just goes yeah. back to how good the team is. Like even if he's having an absolutely monster season and the Raptors are like a fourth seed or a fifth seed, he's not getting into that conversation. So, like, I'm not even going to kind of entertain that thought unless the Raptors are, you know, the surprise team in the East, which wouldn't shock me, which wouldn't shock me. But, like, that's really the only pathway for him to really enter this conversation is if the Raptors just kind of blow the doors off and are competing for the number one seed in the East, like, halfway through the season. Yeah, for sure. And to go back to Tatum, I agree. He's a closer player to, like, Tatum than he is the Jokic's of the world. But Tatum, the the Celtics were perfectly built around him last season, I think. Like, it took them years to figure out the recipe. Um, but I thought last season was as close as they got in terms of the perfect mix of guys around Tatum. And so, yeah, we, we wanted, people wanted to anoint him the, the top, the crown. But it was, I think, more so just more about the recipe and the guys around him. And him finally, he did take a step, but it was also... In, in combination with him finally having a team that he could carry. Yeah, no, I think that's um, I think that's a really good point. Let's see what else is on here. Um, some of these don't interest me as well, but I guess we'll fill some airtime. Um, you know, Ken Birch said that, you know, when he had off-season surgery, he revealed a torn meniscus uh, that was undetected by the MRIs. And he says he's not 100% at the moment and, and working his way back. Um, in terms of how this impacts the Raptors, uh, where does this rank on, on your interest meter? Uh, like a three. Okay. Um, he participated in camp. I know that. And he looked pretty good last night, I thought. Nurse also commented on that after the game, how he looked like he was really out there fighting for minutes, like he was kind of the forgotten man. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I, I mean, the surgery sucks, and it sucks that he's not 100% yet. Um, but he is back, and he's playing, and it's still going to be tough for him to get minutes because there's just so many guys uh, ahead of him right now. Yeah. You know, I think Kem Kem is like the cutoff on this team in, in terms of yeah. where like the rotation ends. And it is, it is unfortunate that he's dealt with, you know, so many injuries here. And I've always said this as like a compliment, like Kem, Kem is like my favorite, like average player in the NBA. Because, like, you know, he just does, you know, everything at, at a very average level. And you need a lot of these guys. And I think, you know, anytime we put, you know, any more expectations than that on Kem, you know, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, the the other injury news, um, you know, I never, I, I never know when the Raptors say that guys are going to be out for a little while, if that means like a week or two months. Uh, because I yeah. feel like they just throw these terms around. But, but Otto Porter, you know, Nick did say he's going to be out, quote, for a little while. Um, you know, that might just mean like a couple preseason games. So he didn't play on Sunday against Utah uh, with the hamstring strain. 
um, I, I guess I, I guess I'll pose it this way: like, how you know, forget about the injury. You know, I, you know, hopefully Otto's able to to get back into the lineup before the start of the season. But like, how, how interested are you from one to ten, just in terms of what Otto Porter can bring to this team? I'm very interested, um, just because they don't have enough players like him who can who can really be knockdown shooters, and I think his ability to do that lends him to be a good fit with the starters or at least like three or four of them at a time. And therefore there's an opportunity for him to close games uh, like he did for the Warriors in their championship run. I just think it's such a valuable skill on this team specifically. And just having a vet out there who can knock down threes, that's one thing this team was really missing last season. But yeah, this one is a little bit more concerning. I'd go with like a five on the scale because the way Nick said it was, he was really trying to choose his words carefully. And I would not guess that Otto's going to be ready to start the season. Just based on the way that this team likes to handle injuries, they're very safe. And based on Otto Porter's injury history, you know, it's a guy who's who's had problems throughout his career. And a hamstring is one of those things that you do not want to rush. So it's a little concerning, but yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And, and it makes me think about, you know, Utah Watanabe had an injury to start last season. I ended up missing like a significant chunk of time to start the year. That um, was a hamstring, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was a hamstring as well. I think so. Um, couldn't, yeah. couldn't, couldn't even limp his way to Ramanishan, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really interested in, in, you know, whenever Otto does get on the floor because, you know, of the guys coming off the bench – like I can easily see him closing games with, like you mentioned, yeah. you know, you know, with with the four other starters, just because of his skill set, and I think he actually does have a huge role to play on this team. So I, I am hopeful that you know, if it's not opening night, that this is not something that's going to keep him out for like the first month of the season, um, you know, because when you, you when you think about bench guys, you know, I think I think we know what Chris Boucher is going to bring to the table based on what he established as, as a player last year. I think we're still looking, you know, for some development from Precious, but Otto Porter is a guy that I think you know, is, is going to be a huge X factor for this team. Um, the remaining yeah, storylines... Like to go back yeah, go to the game six against the Sixers, uh, Gary was getting picked on by Harden, like mm. down the stretch again and again, but they needed Gary out there for his spacing. Um, but you just look at how, okay, maybe they could have brought Otto in, way right. bigger guy, can't get bullied that way. Maybe that's just like a, a quick example of, of a place he could have maybe closed a game. Yeah, and and I, and I love like, listen, man. I think you know experience can only take you so far. Like you know, you win in this league off talent, but you you see experienced guys like Otto Porter and even Thad Young. You know, I think those guys are so important. Like like we saw Thad like play play a role in that Sixer series, and I think having those guys, especially you know, come postseason, is going to be so important just for Nick to be able to have those options. Um, some of these other storylines we've already touched on, so I guess, you know, I'm not going to make you um, do them again. But but Nick did mention, again, can you tell me if he was joking or not? He says, quote, uh, about the final roster spots being really competitive. He said, quote, we do a staff vote every single day, and that vote changes every single day. Um, so I love that this is like a big brother, um, you know, survivor scenario. Like one of these, you know, Justin Champagny has to win the veto, um, you know, to, to take himself off the block. Um, do you do you think Nick is telling the truth here? Do you do you think it's really that stressful? Uh, you know that they're sitting in a room and you know he's like, "Yo, Nate Bjorgren, who are you voting today? Are you voting DJ Wilson or, or Josh Jackson?" 
No, I was just thinking, though, like, he takes their votes, but then ultimately, don't you kind of feel like it's ultimately Nick who's going to decide? Or <laughs> yeah, do you yeah. actually think these votes are, are being, like, is it a final count? You're telling, you're, you're telling me Rico Hines isn't the swing vote? Um, you, you know, for for DJ Wilson making the team, I low key want DJ Wilson to just like be with the Raptors organization because I, I feel like the Raptors have just tried this so many times. Tried what? Tried to have DJ, DJ? Wilson oh, on the yeah. roster. Like they've tried yeah, to yeah. they've tried to get him on the roster. He I think deserves this... it more than anyone for <laughs> no, sure. No, just, like just like, basically... like just give him the jersey at this point or something, man. Please. Yeah, like, give yeah. give him an assistant coaching role. Okay, man. This guy's like, I'm pretty sure. Um, isn't TJ Wilson still pretty young? This guy's trying to send yeah, him to no, the bench already. He's good. No, I actually think yeah. he, he he could he could find a role on a different team. Um, <laughs> so not this team. <laughs> no, like what I said, I just think he's a really versatile player at the forward position. Does a lot of interesting things, but the Raptors have a bunch of guys who do that already. Who play the four and the five as a small ball center. It's just like. His skill set overlaps with so many guys that I don't see it on this team. I mean, this I this squad, this whole squad is an overlap, man. Like that's true. This whole squad, and I think that is the downside of it. It's like at some point, like how many of these guys can you have? Exactly. That's yeah. why. I, like it's, that's why I mentioned like Gabe Brown, just because he's such a different player. You already mentioned Gabe like, Brown, okay? We don't. Oh, sorry, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Come oh, on, I man. did the quota. Yeah, come on, man. Uh, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, no, in. In all seriousness, I think the vote. I think that's a good way to do it. If if every guy on the on the bench actually gets a say in these things, um, mm. but like, you're a little skeptical. I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, I think the players should get to vote because they're the ones that have to play with them. How about we let the players decide? Mm. No, hand the franchise over to them. Yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, you know. Give the a- Suns to the players. That's what I think. Like, <laughs> LeBron and CP should buy the Suns. Well, because the they, lo- they lost to the Adelaide 36ers. They got to play the 46ers, 56ers, and 66ers. No, now, they're man. selling the team, man. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. That that was your joke. Yeah. Oh, yes. man. Yeah, that's right. No, man. Uh, it's early for you. I get it. Uh, it's it's really early. It's it's uh, 1.30 in the afternoon right now. Um, yeah, no, I, they should definitely give DJ Wilson just like a whole set of jerseys at least if they're going to cut him. Like, I, I feel like he's just like, upended his life about four times uh, uh, to try to make the Raptors and be on these 10 days. Give him like an Edmonton Oilers jersey at least, like a custom. Um, you know, I think that'd be pretty cool. You know, shouts to Marcus Camby just randomly showing up as as part of the Canada series, um, you know, against Utah. That, that's one of my favorite things about being an athlete, by the way. It's just like the number of jerseys that you get to pick up like along the way like like even pascal in the summer whenever he visited like soccer teams overseas like there was a custom peace skills jersey from everywhere like if i became an athlete yeah. that's the, actually the only thing i would care about like i would run up to like dean wade on opening night and be like hey man let's swap jerseys because because i want a dean wade jersey that that that, that that would be my focus yeah i think i would focus on the money but Oh, right, right, right. But the money just comes with okay. it, right? Like the, the, the money oh, does okay. come with it. So, so, you know, you have to focus on like, you know, all the peripheral stuff. But, but you know, I understand you, you're a big fan of, you know, landlords and capitalism. And I think that's been well established um, on this program. No, um, so, so before we go, Oren, um, you know, since we love predictions, um, would love to hear your prediction for the Raptors win total. 
this season. And then if you do have one bold prediction for this season, uh, we would love to hear it. Okay, I'll give I'll I'll give them a fifty win record, fifty nice. and thirty two for the Raptors. Nice round what number. You, have you done your official uh, prediction? Uh, all my all my uh, predictions are unofficial, but yeah, I think I, I, I well I went through the whole eighty two game schedule, and oh, right, I right. had them at fifty four wins. But I do think I, th- I think fifty really is should be the bar for this team. Um, I just think they're going to win a lot of games. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, please keep tuning into the Raptor show as we explain why. But that I just think yeah. they're going to win a lot of games. I think if they're relatively healthy, they, they should win 50 games. I think their depth is being a little overblown right now. Um, so I could see how injuries could screw with that number. But relative health, I don't see why they don't win 50 games. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I find it I find it hard to just see them being like a 500 team and obviously all these external factors like you mentioned like injuries could come into play and i'm with you on the depth too like this team's gonna go as far as fred pascal and scotty Mm -hmm. gets them like they all have to have great seasons and and, you know and then to me kind of the rest of the pecking order will just fall in place uh do you have a it's funny that you said that what's up yeah it's funny that you said fred pascal and scotty because i think that's what everyone's been saying and that leads into my bold prediction for this mm, season here we go the guy that no one has talked about including us on this podcast is og ananobi right and i think my because he doesn't talk to us just... so there's nothing to talk about shouts to emma j brown but yeah go ahead yeah uh i get yeah anyways like I, I i do think og is being overlooked and i get the like nba fandom is built on recency bias sure but it was just a year ago that everyone was predicting, everyone and their mother was predicting OG to win my most mom. improved my and mom to be didn't an all-star. Predict, my mom didn't predict that, so that's actually factually incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, he, he was injured. He played 48 games last season. And I think what people don't consider with injuries is just like his failure to really get in a rhythm. It felt like every time he was finding his rhythm, finding his place in the offense, he got another injury and then had to start from scratch. So... I guess my bold prediction, if I have to be really bold, is that OG will be an all-star this season. Whoa, I, like I can that. totally see it happening. I just think everyone's focusing on Scotty and how and and their expectations for Scotty are so high and their expectations for OG have become so low that I think we should flip it. Like OG is ultimately a more polished player than Scotty at this point in their careers. He's a really good three-point shooter on a team that needs it. He's the best defender on this team. Um, and I just think if he plays a lot of games and, and he increases that efficiency a little bit uh, as a passer, as a three-point shooter, I, I don't see any reason why OG can't be their second option by the time the All-Star rolls around. And and like I said, Scotty's more of a playmaker anyways. I just see a world where OG really jumps into that second option and does it efficiently and is an all-star. And I just think he's being overlooked way too much right now because he's not like the cool new thing. And we're forgetting a little bit about just how good he is. So that that's my bold prediction. Yeah, no, I think I think a lot of the things you talked about, though, in terms of just availability, you know, being more efficient, like we've had those conversations with OG. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't talk about it. And, you know, a lot of the injuries have been yeah. have been really fluky and it's been unfortunate for him. 
Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, when you are only playing 40, 50 games, I think it's hard for people to extrapolate that and get excited about it. You know, I think expectations, I think expectations are, are just fine for, for, for OG. You know, I think about, you know, you talk about the pecking order of this team. Like, I, I just wonder if he's going to, you know, get those opportunities um, you know, to, to, to truly become, like you mentioned, like a number two option, like, like for him to become an all-star, like he's going to have to have a really, really big breakout season. And I think it will start on the offensive end, but I think it'll have to get more attention on the defensive end too. That's the one side that I feel like he doesn't, if, if I were to say that he doesn't get enough credit for, like, I think it's generally accepted that OG is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA but he's never had that season where he's been talked about that way. Like, like, you know, like, mm. like just like overall, like, like, you know, if you, if you want to talk about like taking, you know, OG for granted, I almost think it's on the defensive end too. Like, like I'm thinking about the game against Utah too, when, when Jordan Clarkson was trying to just like put on a dribbling <laughs> display yeah. and OG just like swatted his three point attempt. Um, so maybe this is the yeah. year, this is the year, maybe this is the year that we start talking about OG um, you know, maybe even if the offense doesn't come like on the defensive end, uh, because I still think that's where he can make the most impact. Yeah. And that's kind of why this is my prediction is just, I think this is the year in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm projecting here, but I think he's right on the brink of, of, of stepping out and, and making that leap. And yes, injuries have gotten in the way and all that stuff, but I mean, I look at him right now. First of all, he looks great. Like out of all the players I saw in Victoria in that five on five scrimmage, he stood out just as a guy who he looks as bouncy and as strong as ever. And he looks comfortable with the ball in his his hands. The shot looks really good. He just looks like he's ready for the season. And I kind of disagree with you when you say he would have to take a major leap offensively like he averaged 17 and five last season on decent efficiency. He did the same thing in the playoffs. I think if he averaged 26 and three and the Raptors are really good at the all-star break, that's an all-star right there. Right? So I don't think it's as crazy of a leap as some people have uh, imagined. I just think he needs to be healthy and the defensive, you know, the defensive respect will come with an 80 game or like a 70 game season. It's just that he's always in and out of the lineup. So he never gets the love that he deserves. No, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I, th- I think the All Star conversation though, it's it's just hard, right? Like, like we know how it is hard. I'm just spots... giving you a bold one, man. No, I love US it. For bold. No, yeah. I know. I'm I'm not I'm not trying to you know disrespect your prediction. Uh, once again, I'm yeah. just trying to fill airtime to see if there's a pathway towards a four hour podcast here. Um, <laughs> and like, it, he would just have to be like not even a number two option. Like he'd have to be like the guy on this team. Cause like when you think about other teams, like, I don't know, man, like you think about like the Knicks, it's like, if you were to tell me who's going to be an all-star candidate it's most likely, I think either Jalen Brunson or maybe like RJ Barrett or something. Right. Whereas on the Raptors, you could probably mm-hmm. pick at like four guys even. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Fred's been an all-star. Pascal's been an all-star. I think there's going to be a Chua with like a word. <laughs> yeah. Like Scotty. Yeah. Yeah. It's listen, man. Like I'm, I'm, ex- I'm just as excited as everyone for precious, but like we got to calm down, man. Raptors ain't sending six all-stars and then having two players in the MVP conversation. Right. No, like, I don't disrespect <laughs> precious KD at Chua right now. No, come on, man. Like there's 29 other teams in this league, man. And we haven't even factored in the Adelaide 36ers. Um, so like, <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I, you know, I love the enthusiasm from, from Raptors fans, but, you know, even Mr. Propaganda here has got to chill out a little bit. But um, 
No, I'm with you though. I do like I do like that bold prediction a lot. And and you know if it happens, thank you. You you can um you know you can take a victory lap. That's what predictions are for, man. Predictions are purely for taking victory laps. If you're right about it, like that is the only point of making predictions. It's not to be right. It's not to be wrong, obviously. But it's just like you just want to throw some stuff into the ether. And and if it pans out, like I know you're gonna just drop a tweet with this audio clip, and it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, OG and OW coming for everyone. <laughs> All right, man, that seems like a good spot to wrap up. Uh, Oren, uh, I believe you have some stuff you wanted to plug, especially related to Raptors Republic. Yeah, I mean, first of all, me, you can follow me on Twitter at Oren <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, follow, for, uh, follow all my work. I'll be writing about the Raptors. Oren, all yeah, season. follow Oren Weisfeld. Goodness, man. Yeah. Okay, sorry for plugging myself. Uh, <laughs> Raptors Republic announced today that they are doing a paywall for some of their editorial content. And Raptors Republic is a blog that's been around for like 15 years now. A quick Google search told me that Alex Wong, two guest posts on the site. So even Alex is a member <laughs> of this community. Yeah, that's one of the um, first stories I ever I ever wrote like as a writer. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in all seriousness, RR gave people like me the platform to really sure. learn how to write. Yeah, and, and Will, just Will, get better. Will has and Will, spoken. Uh, Will has spoken at length about just you know how much Raptors Republic has influenced him and you know his career mm-hmm. as well. You we can you can go down the list, right? Like like Vivek, you know Blake, like so many people, right? Absolutely. And so, listen, there's a $6 a month paywall, really affordable. You get really, really good content throughout the season. Lewis and Samson will be credentialed to go to games and they're going to be writing off games. And more importantly, like all this money goes to the writers, people like me and them. And um, it, it just helps support the site and the writers and it helps grow the platform for new and diverse voices to add to this community. So, we would really appreciate your support at raptorsrepublic.com. Um, and that's that's the plug I'll give. No, everybody should check it out. You know, the way you guys should look at it, you know, first of all, you know, I know all of you are, you know, upper middle class um, living in either Richmond Hill or North York. So so I know $6 is, is just it's like, a a, coffee. you know, it's a bubble tea for you guys. You know, come on, you got you to gotta cater to the Asian demographic. I love how I just assume only Asians drink bubble tea. Um, apologies for that. That's not true. Um, but... $6, the way you look at it, you know, Raptor show, you know, we're for the people, you know, no paywall here. So you're paying $6 okay. for Raptor show and Raptors Republic. So basically $3 each <laughs> uh, is, is, is the Alex math on this one. No, but honestly, like, you know, obviously Zerar, the team, you know, all of you guys um, just have such, you know, commitment to to covering the team. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to vouch for it as well. You know, definitely go check out Raptors Republic. And to be honest, even if you don't consume that content on that level, you know, just supporting the writers and, you know, supporting the people who do this behind the scenes, I think is very important as well. So if, if you want to just do that for for a good cause, you know, for, for anyone that I've ever, you know, sent a, you know, free copy of Cover Story to or, you know, taken a photo uh, for, for you and, and Will Lou at Scotiabank Arena, you know, th- these are the things that we, you know, we ask for in, in, in return, you know, just, just kind of. Um, some support here but you know forget about this whole spiel man just you know don't be broke man just you know give that six dollars <laughs> and let's let's get on with it man what are we doing here um anyways Orn, i really appreciate you we will have you on regularly um you know during the I season i passed the test 
I mean, there was no test to pass, man. What are you talking about? Also, like, also, like, I'm not trying to, like, you know, make this seem like a really low bar. But like, I just like people who are available for when I want days off. So like, you know, you're you're on that list. No, we always enjoy. We always enjoy our chats with Oren. So Will is still on the uh, on the Amalfi Coast. Once again, Raptor Show will be back on air October 17th, Sportsnet 360, YouTube, Fan590, and obviously the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. Um, I'm going to have another podcast later this week with Joseph Cacharo, where we're going to look at best case, worst case scenario for the Raptors this season. And then we're going to each make five. We're going to ask five biggest questions about this NBA season. And, And then next week, tentatively, hopefully got Trey Kirby and Tass Malice from No Dunks. You know, I recently did a podcast with them um you know on their feet so everybody should check that out they're gonna come on um jay kang's gonna come on hopefully talk about basketball and other things and then might have an episode with Lindsay dunn as well although we might move that to uh to on air because you know i'm not trying to work that hard before we go back on air so uh working on some special guests for week one but please have absolute no no expectations for that um because i don't like setting any expectations at all um Orin, thank you once again. Any uh, any parting words as I try to, you know, uh, pump up this timestamp? No, thanks for having me. That was fun. Uh, looking forward to all those very special guests and just glad that I can uh, be, be, you know, yeah. mentioned alongside them. Yeah, you definitely should have scripted that. Um, you know, that's, um, you know, that's a great close. Everybody check out Orin Weisfeld's work, Raptors Republic complex uh many other places check out his toronto star feature yeah, sports canada yeah sports canada check out his work um toronto star feature on alec manoa uh, you know this has been the most monotone episode um that you've ever heard on your podcast feed and i appreciate everybody go rate and review follow the raptor show on twitter shouts to the subreddit and i'll talk to you soon